0: Good morning. Welcome back, uh, people on spring break. I am envious of your tan um, and the sunshine, but we had some here too. And um, also want to say thank you to Pastor Jaron um, for an amazing sermon last week. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, um, that was her second one, and she did incredible, right? Um, and so if you didn't hear it, you can hear it online. It should be. Up soon. Um, and so we're back to uh, the Kingdom of God series. Uh, last week before, um, Pastor Mark um, preached on what is the Kingdom of God. So, this sense of we're going through what, who, where, when, how, Kingdom of God. And he had you guys memorize this amazing. Does anyone think that they can do it off the top of their head? It was two weeks ago. I know. Someone just give me big eyes. Um, Okay, so I'm going to review it. What is the kingdom of God? And we can say it together. Um, The kingdom of God is God's authority conspiring with a community of people to restore creation so it reflects the glory of God. Now you're like, oh yeah, now I remember that. Um, Well, today we're going to do whose is the kingdom of God. Whose is the kingdom of God? So who does the kingdom of God belong to and who belongs? Um, Whose is the kingdom of God? So I wrote this. I'm not going to have you guys memorize this um, because I have other ways I want to explore it. Um, But the kingdom of God is ruled by King Jesus over a Community of diverse people who have put their faith in Jesus as King and live under King Jesus's rules and commands as disciples, ambassadors, and reconcilers. You're like, thank you for not not making me memorize that. It's too long. Um, So I um, I spent um, time looking at all the places where the kingdom of God is mentioned in the Gospels, Um, and so there is going to be lots of scripture, and it's going to be lots of broad strokes and It's just a lot, so we're going to go through this um, together. So, in the kingdom, um, who is in the kingdom, is that there's a king and there are citizens. Um, And in any kingdom, there are also some laws. Uh, So, in order for you guys to remember that, um, there's a ruler, there's the ruled, and there are rules. And so, those are the three that we're going to go through today. So, who is the king in the kingdom of God? God. (laughs) Um, So, spoiler alert. um, Yes, God. Um, But who is God? Um, God is Jesus. King Jesus um, is the king in God's kingdom. And so one of the things um, about that is that King Jesus is supreme, he is creator, he is redeemer, sustainer, reconciler, he is holy. Um, And so we're going to go through that by reading Colossians 1. Christ is the 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 visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything and was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers. In the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. This includes you and me who were once far away from God. So God is supreme, there is no checks and balances, there is no democracy, there is no veto power of another group. He is the master, the ruler, the supreme, everything. There is no supremacy of another human being over another human being. There is no supremacy of a human being over another human being. God alone is supreme. He is the creator, the beginning, the end, the life-giver, the artistic co-creator. He is the redeemer. He is the savior, the forgiver, the, the judge, and the Messiah. He is the sustainer. He is the one who continues to hold us together when we're falling apart. Amen? He is there when we are in our weakness and our desperate need and our shame and our failure. He sustains us. He is the reconciler. He is the bringer of all that is broken and torn apart to bring it back together and make it whole. God is holy. He is righteous and just. There is no sin with, there's nothing that is not perfect and flawless and perfect, fierce love about God. God is the ruler of the kingdom. He is also the list maker. He's the host of a great big feast. Isaiah, let me see if I can get to a blink. In Isaiah 25, it says that the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for All the people of the world. All the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat and salmon, Hans. (laughs) And there he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. Amen? The sovereign Lord will wipe away all the tears He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. Whew, that is some good news. And many times when the kingdom of God is mentioned in the Gospels, Jesus uses a story of this king or master preparing this giant wedding feast for his son and inviting all the guests to come. And and God is saying, man, I am having a huge party everyone's welcome. And back in the day, I used to be an event planner, from student council to conferences to fundraisers, and I love throwing a good party. And in party planning, one of the key questions you need to ask is, how many people can we invite? How much space can my house hold? Are there gonna be enough parking spots? Do I have enough money for food? And at church, we have to ask these questions. Do we have enough space and energy and resources to host the Pacific annual meeting? (laughs) Right? We've been asking that. Or do we need to cut off the number of kids that can come to VBS because we don't have enough uh, volunteers? We are limited because we're human. But God is big. And God's home and heart can contain more than we can imagine. So God is big, really big. So in Noah's devotional, the other day we were reading, it's a science and faith devotional. And this makes me think of Chris, because she's an astrologist. Astronomer, astronomer, just kidding. Is. Is there some communion back here I can take? All right. <laughs> okay. Just making sure you're listening. Um, so in God's devotional, I mean, oh, gosh, in Noah's devotional. Lord Jesus, I need some more sleep. Please help me. Um, there is um, a story about the, there is a star called the Mu Sephi. Am I saying that right? Mu Sephi. Okay, so we start reading about this. And it is so big that 2.7 quadrillion Earths fit inside the star. That is 15 zeros. If the Earth is the size of a golf ball, it would be the width of two Golden State Bridges. It is 1,650 times bigger than the Sun. So I went through this because Noah's learning about numbers. And I said, honey, this is a million. He's like, oh, I know what that is. I was like, okay. This is a billion. He's like, oh, okay. This is a trillion. He's like, oh. This is 2.7 quadrillion Earths fit inside of this star. The crazy thing is it is believed that there are even bigger stars. Yet to be discovered. God created all of this and so much more. God is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. God is big. And God is big enough to make a table that is big enough for everybody to come and be part of it and to be included. And so who is our big God inviting to this big party in the kingdom of God? Everyone is invited, but not all will enter. So who are these citizens, the citizens of the kingdom of God? They are those who believe, the invitation is broad, and it is for the broken. Whose are the kingdom of God? All who believe. All who believe in Jesus as king. The Israelites, the Jews were given the first invitation and the plan was to always be extended to all the nations. Jesus comes and says, Just believe I am God, the king of kings, and you will be a citizen in my kingdom. In John 3, Nicodemus, an elder religious leader, comes in the middle of the night, asks Jesus, says, hey, how can I inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus says, well, you have to be reborn again in water and spirit. And he's like, what? He's like, no, you have to receive the truth, this invitation, like faith like a child, to humbly come back into the world as a new creation, as a receiver, as a dependent, as a learner. There's not some lengthy or costly or cumbersome process to becoming a legal citizen with all the kingdom rights. Jesus makes it easy. Just simply receive this gift and you can be a citizen of the kingdom of God. The king, who are the kingdom of God? Whose are the kingdom of God? It is broad. It is a broad diversity. The invitation for a widely diverse community is to become a family. I love that uh, Walter Brueggemann and our friend Dominique, who came here in December, says that it is baptism over blood that redefines family. Jews are invited first, in Romans 1:16 it says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile." Galatians 3:28 says, "There are neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor there is male and female, for you are one in Christ Jesus." Ephesians 3:5 says, "The mystery is this, this is the mystery" The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are now heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. That's the mystery from the Old Testament that they were hanging on. The mystery is made known now that the Gentiles are now included. What was first included only for the Jews. Okay, I didn't know when I was going to do this. Y'all know I got a thing for croissants. (laughs) I believe, in my humble estimation, that these are maybe some of the best croissants in Portland. It's from Grand Central Bakery. If you see me very happy or depressed, I am probably eating a croissant here. So, let's just say... You know, I didn't have one. It was really hard. I was smelling it all day, all morning. Um, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Let's just say that there is an invitation, that the table is set. And so I, I think what I'm going to do, let me see here. Um, if I could have a volunteer, maybe two, who would maybe want to come up and have a croissant. One of the best croissants in Portland. Anyone? Anyone? Two people? Anyone else? It's gluten free. Oh, well it is not gluten free. Okay. Anyone? Anyone want to just come up and sit, have a croissant? Okay. Why don't you guys? Yeah. Why don't you guys grab a chair? Grab yourself a chair. Come sit. You can look out. You can look out here. Will right, will it put you on the ends. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Why don't you sit over here? With, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you can have the whole thing. You can eat it right now. Just just enjoy yourself. Just enjoy yourself. Just go ahead and go. Crispy on the outside, buttery soft on the inside. You could peel it. Oh, no, I bought it this morning. Oh, yeah, you can peel it fresh. So whose is the kingdom of God? It is this broad diversity. The Jews, the Gentiles, and the ethnically diverse. Luke 13 says that Jesus says people are going to come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Because God is the creator. He is the artist. And God cannot imagine a party without Spanish speakers or the continent of Africa or Swedes. (laughs) Right? God's like, these are my people's. I cannot imagine not having a party without them. The broad stroke is the young and the old. Over and over we hear about the children coming. And Jesus is indignant, the scripture says, that the children were being hindered to come to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God are the sick who are made healthy. Over and over you see, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Colossians says that you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and action, yet now has reconciled you to himself through death of Christ and his physical body. Whew. This is a broad stroke, right? And Ephesians tells us this, that remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose am I Oops, sorry. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace or shalom. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Which through the cross he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And through him we have access, both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of this household. Amen. Now we comfy. Hold on. Sorry, I didn't advance. But this is where things got a little uncomfortable oh, it's broad, ooh, but now it's to the broken Jesus. Whose are in the kingdom of God? It is the broken. Jesus in scripture begins to show preferential treatment for the humbled and the humble. The rich and poor are all invited, but over and over we see Jesus say, but it is what hard For the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Not saying that they're not invited, but it is hard. Over and over, blessed is the poor. Yes, in spirit, but also physically. Because God is not this dualistic Gnostic who separates the spiritual and the physical. Matthew 21, Jesus says... Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you, the priests. What? The prostitutes are entering in before the priests. For John came to show you the way of righteousness. You did not believe in him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes, they did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. We see the kingdom of God being explained. The first is last, the last is first, the greatest is least, the least is greatest. The broken are the overlooked and the outcasts. Luke 14, Jesus tells a story of the great banquet, invited many guests, but people began to make excuses. I just got married. I have an ox. And it says... <laughs> The master was angry and he ordered the servant, go out quickly to the streets and the alleys, to the towns, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant comes back and he says, I did all of that. And he says, but there's still more room because our God is so big. And he says, go out to the roads and the country lanes, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will taste my banquet. God is decentering the powerful and the privileged, and it doesn't mean that they don't get a seat at the table. It doesn't mean that you two get kicked out of the party. It means that we believe our God is so big that we're going to make more room at the table and that those who've been pushed out and are hurting and ostracized and oppressed are going to be centered by Jesus to reach all the way out to them, so that they can come to, to the feast. So this is what I'm going to have one of you do, Chris. What you're eating? Why don't you go ahead and just keep eating? Well, oh, we're going to have to. Hans, we're going to have you come up um, and let's just pretend that this if this is you know um, Acts. Acts 1, 8 says um, that the Holy Spirit came upon them and said, first, you're going to go to Jerusalem. So let's pretend this is Jerusalem. And let's say the next here, like maybe these rows all the way over here. Let's say this is Judea, which is maybe like our neighbors, okay? Um, And Hans, you get to be an inviter So, so everybody on this whole part of, of Judea, all of our neighbors, you guys are invited to the table um, have to have... Chair, my <laughs> <laughs> you you might, yeah. That's going to be part of it. So, so, so you invite everyone, and just if there's one person who wants to have that, you just stay here. You just go over. You have to, no, you have to get away from the table. That's, okay. that's part of it. You have to get out of... Out of the table, out of your comfort zone, and you need to come out over here. I know it's been really comfy over yeah, there. Yeah, no, it's terrible. I know, it's been re- really wonderful. Is anybody here on these rows? Anyone want? Come here. Oh, can, you compel, can you tell them how good it is? Was no, it, is, is it worth it? It's so good that I almost died from having too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good croissant. Is anybody on these first rows? Oh, there we got one. Okay. So here you go. Why don't you take a seat? Welcome. Here's a croissant just oh, for you. I heard. Why don't you sit down? Okay, and Hans, wait, we got to go a little farther. I know it's a little bit farther from the table. It's a little cra- but we're going to go to Samaria now, okay? So oh. this is Samaria, this, this whole section. And you know what? I'm so sorry to tell you this, but these are your enemies. They're really oh, not yeah. great people. Oh. They're really not great Even people. Even Central Americans? All of them. They're oh. all wonderful people. They're wonderful. Well, they're all Please wonderful come. people, but... So, so to compel them, compel them. How wonderful was okay, so that? Bill. See if. <laughs> okay, so, you, so Bill, why don't you just grab, grab one? Okay, and now, oh wait, no, wait, no, 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 wait, we can't, not yet, so sorry. You're still part of Samaria, we're just doing this for an example. But now, okay, Hans, I, I know this is really even farther outside of your comfort zone, and I know it's getting away from the juicy croissants, but I want you to go all the way to the ends of the earth. Yeah, to the, to the ends of the earth. Is, is, can you compel somebody? Maybe, maybe a kid, if there's somebody who, who really wants, like, the best croissant in all of Portland. Oh, oh. Oh, no, no, I don't know how that. I don't think it's like that. Okay, so why, come on back. That was really compelled. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was me forceful. Oh no, Bill, do not you? Oh, here we go. Why don't, you, why don't you take a seat? Just enjoy. Enjoy that.. There's the ruler. There's the ruled. Hans, why you can you can you can still have a seat at the table. He's still looking for people. There's God has a lot more croissants, but I don't have any more. Uh, um, and then there are the rules. So the question is is how are how are these kingdom of God citizens now to live, and how do people get invited to the party? Kingdom of God's citizens are under the rules or laws of King Jesus to be disciples, ambassadors, and reconcilers. And we get to be, we're the chief inviters. We don't get to make the guest list. God does that. We don't get to choose who's invited. But we get to be the inviters. So we are, you, we are called to be disciples, ambassadors, and reconcilers. So there's basic law in this kingdom. There's three. There's the great commandment, the great commission, and the great compassion. And the disciples, to be disciples means to be imitators or to be students, right? And so the great commandment is to love God and love people. We are imitators of Jesus who humbled himself to become flesh with the lowly, to enter into solidarity with the suffering to bring holistic salvation to everyone. The ambassadors are the ones, ambassadors are people who are sent out from one country to another, right? And so this is the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I give you, love God, love people, um, and here we are sending you out, as witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Sumeria, to the ends of the earth. And the last is to be reconcilers, the healers and restorers. The great compassion in Matthew 25 says, care for the sick, feed the hungry, visit the prisoner, give water to the thirsty, welcome the foreigner, the immigrant, the stranger. And what you do to them, you do to Jesus. What you don't do to them, you don't do for Jesus. We are proclaimers of the good news to all people, the whole good news. As um, Dr. Al Tazan was here with us, he talked about the whole gospel being both evangelism and justice. It is restoring all that is broken back to what God intended, individually, systemically, and it is salvation through Jesus Christ. Because we believe salvation through Jesus It is broad for all nations and people, and it is for the broken, people who are hurting and in the margins, because God says in Proverbs that he he comes close to the brokenhearted, and so should we. Okay, croissant invitation. Here's, Here's where it got tricky in the Gospels. In Matthew 23, Jesus begins to call out the Pharisees to not hinder people from coming to the kingdom of God. What happened was that the people at the table were enjoying their nice croissants, and other people were like, Yo, I heard about those croissants, people. Can I? No. Can I? I yeah. <laughs> and they were like, Say no. Uh uh-uh. uh. We deserved it. We are entitled. We did all the things that we need to do so we can sit at this table. Uh uh-uh. uh. You guys can't come in. And so Jesus says to the Pharisees over and over, he repeats this exact phrase, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who are trying to. You neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. We have to ask these hard questions. Are we shutting the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces? Are we neglecting justice, mercy, and faithfulness? When I was at Warner, um, I had a student who um, came to me once and she, she wanted to be in a student leadership ministry position. She was kind of sharing like, oh, well, you know, my friends and I, we're not like those people who do all those things, you know, and she listed all these like bad, horrible things that everybody else did, and, um, and, and would it be okay, can I be the student chaplain? <laughs> um, and, I, and I told the student, as we, we talked through kind of the gospel and, and this broadness of brokenness that God is inviting all to come and believe. And um, it was the end of the school year, and I said, why don't you go and just practice this summer just loving all the people you judge? She came back months later, and she said, man, I was so mad at you. I was so mad at you. <laughs> I couldn't believe that you would do that. She's like, let me tell you What happened? There's five of us girls, we all decided to move into a house together. And we decided to do that. We decided that we would love radically, like Jesus did, everyone that we judged. And now we've become the place where all the messy and the broken come. I had to pick up a guy who was drunk in our front yard the other day. and We brought him in. She's like, it's changed me. And people started really knowing who God is in a deeper and broader way. If the kingdom of God belongs to King Jesus and the citizens of this kingdom are under the rulership of God, inviting and imitating the King Jesus to this broad invitation to the broken, to believe, then we might need to put our croissants down and get out of our comfort zone. Some of you guys may have seen this, that this is kind of the growth mentality of, you know, the comfort zone is where you feel safe and in control. The fear zone is like, oh, you know, finding excuses, kind of like in the parable of Jesus. And then there's this learning zone where you're like, okay, I'm going to extend my comfort zone. I'm going to deal with some of the problems. I'm going to acquire some new skills. And then there's this growth zone. Um, And this is a secular thing. You know, if you find purpose, live dreams, set new goals, conquer objectives, but I would, I would, in a Christian sense, I would say, man, I think that growth zone is when we begin to reflect the many-colored kingdom of God, that we become um, and experience more of Jesus in and through one another. When I think of my own testimony, it was because there were these fearless Christians who believed their God was so big that they stepped out of their comfort zone to invite my broken and far-off nominally Buddhist immigrant family to come to be part of the table. I can't imagine not being able to do the same thing. And as I began to follow Jesus more earnestly, I began also to find courage to step out of my comfort zone for the sake of the king and the kingdom, to go to the hardest and the farthest places and people. And I found, and I continue to find, um, myself to be humbled that it's not those who are most different from me that need me, but rather, I need them. I'm not anyone's savior, but rather, in all my privileges and success and status, those are the things that can make me blind and deaf, that I need the poor and the broken to save me from myself. We need one another to be a fuller reflection of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And being more cross-cultural broadens my vision of God's bigness and of this feast and this table. But it's not all croissants. As we read in Luke four, as Jesus begins his public ministry, he begins his presidential speech by reading Isaiah 61. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus says this. He says, there were many widows in Elijah's time, but he was only sent to a widow in Zapharath in the region of Sidon. What? It's a Gentile Jesus. And there were many with leprosy in the time of Elijah, But the only one he cleansed was Naaman the Syrian. Whoa, Jesus. (laughs) The scripture says, then then all the people in the synagogue were furious. They got up, they drove him out of town, and they took him to the brow of a hill in order to throw him off a cliff. The more Jesus preached about a broader, multi-ethnic, all-inclusive of sinners' gospel, the more persecution and plotting for his crucifixion happened. I've been praying Ephesians 6 lately. Pray also with me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, the inclusion of the Gentiles, For which I am an ambassador in chains, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. True kingdom citizens who fearlessly follow the commands of the king will experience suffering and persecution and not prosperity necessarily. Because the kingdom of the world is upside down and backward from the kingdom of God. The first is last, the last is greatest. The blessed are the woes, and the woes are blessed. It sounds scary and romantic all at the same time. (laughs) But the call of the life of a disciple of Jesus is not necessarily marked by prosperity, but of suffering. We're asked to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, Follow Jesus. And as I was reflecting on that, I've been thinking about blessed are the feet that bring good news. Strawing that following Jesus, yes, the croissants are going to (laughs) come. There is great croissants for following Jesus. We experience now and in the forever kingdom. But the more we actually preach the fullness, the wholeness, the broadness of the mystery of this gospel to include all that the world rejects, you're going to get some pushback and pain. Our God is big, and wants to fill up his house with as many people as possible. And there's going to be opportunities, this Lent, to do that, to invite them to Easter egg hunt, to Bon Day Thursday, to Good Friday, to Resurrection Sunday, to church. Um, um, but before we do that, maybe it's just even stepping out of our comfort zone and just inviting someone into your home, or going on a walk with a neighbor, or start having a conversation question Mike beautifully brought up with Pat Venetar. <laughs> who feels like they can belong here at West Hills? In what ways are we the door openers or the door shutters? And in our personal life, when we look at our close friends, is it broad? Does it include the broken? Are all the people that are close to me look like me, share all my values and my views and my culture, my education, my ability, my religion, my ethnicity, my gender? And will we be willing to be uncomfortable, to go out farther and farther, to invite all that God, our King Jesus, is inviting to the kingdom of heaven? I pray that we'll be fearless. I pray we'll be fearless. And that the table, the house of God will be full because we've been faithful. Let's pray. God, you are our king. You are the good, perfect ruler of all. And your kingdom is not like the kingdom of this world. It is good and perfect and backwards and upside down. And you invite, with a broad stroke, broken citizens to believe in you. And so, God, we confess again that we believe in you. And we, and we pray, um, maybe for the first time, that we haven't truly believed in you. And so there is an invitation for you today to take that uncomfortable and fearless step to believe in this good King Jesus who loves you. We pray for those who don't feel like they belong, even though they belong to Jesus. And I pray that we would have the eyes and the heart to reach out To speak words of love and truth and encouragement. To imitate Jesus to say you belong and you are loved. Pray that we would be an intentional friendship with people who are citizens and not. So that all the nations will proclaim the good news that Jesus is king.